Galatians chapter 1. Remember, we are studying the book of Galatians. And let me kind of give you an idea of our plan for the next few weeks. Um, We're going to be in verses 6 through probably 15 for the next several weeks. And I want to um, kind of give you an idea of the plan. Today, we're looking at what it means to please God. The Bible tells us that we are to please God. Well, what does that mean? We're going to look at that this morning. But look with me. Let's read verses 6 through 10, and uh, then I'll kind of give you an idea of where we're going to be going. I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So here's where we're going. Today we're going to be looking at what it means to please God in the context of this passage. Then I want us to look next week at this idea. Look at what it says in verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ. What does that mean? This calling of God to salvation. What does the Bible say about that? We're going to be studying that. And then look at verse 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Um, there have been a lot of questions since last week. What does that mean, accursed? What if a person is saved and then they begin preaching a false gospel? What does that mean as far as this being accursed? What does the Bible say about that? Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be studying and breaking that down. The reason I'm telling you ahead of time is this. Um, we're not in a race to get through the book of Galatians. Amen? But we are going to be in, for a period of time, in uh, uh, some passages that might appear to be negative. And sometimes you say, man, I work all week and I'm out in the world. I'm trying to live for the Lord. And got to come in here and hear negativity. Well, I'm going to do my best to present it in a way that will help you and not be negative. But let him be accursed. You can say it with a smile on your face, but it's still pretty negative. Amen? And so that's, we're going to get some hard medicine for the next few weeks. So I want you to be praying. I want you to have your, your, your heart right and ready to hear. I want you to invite people. Because, you know, and here, here is where, and we're going to be discussing this in a minute, but sometimes we are afraid to have a lost person hear the hard truth because that might offend them. Well, if I offend them by saying something uh, that's, that's out of bounds, then that's a really bad thing. Isn't that right? But if we're just explaining to them what the Bible says, speaking the truth in love, and that's the important thing, right? If we're doing that, then there's no better place for them to be than here, hearing the truth and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to persuade them of what the truth is and what error is. So I hope that you'll invite people. For these next few weeks, it's going to be some really sound, uh, biblical understanding of what the Bible says about salvation, eternal life, and the result of those people who reject it. So I hope that you'll be here for that. Now, let's, let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study your word. Thank you for Grace Baptist Church, these, these faithful workers and servants of you. And Lord, I'm thankful that I get to minister here with them. Thank you for these young people who sang today. And uh, it almost becomes trite that we say this is the future, but it really is. And so we're so thankful for the, for the future that we see before us. Father, I pray that you'll protect these young people and help them. Lord, help us as we study your word. You are the most important thing here today. So, Father, I pray that you are honored and glorified as your word is preached. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 1. What is going on here? The first thing that we need to understand, and we, we, we touched on this last week, 
But don't miss this. We must be right on the gospel. We must be. There's, as the young people just sang, there's no other name. There is only one way to be saved. It is a very exclusive message. We must be right on the gospel. And I want you to notice something about this text that's very important. Lawrence Vance pointed this out. I got a commentary by Dr. Vance on Galatians. He said this. Notice that it's not their behavior that's being addressed here. It's not what they were doing. And, and I've said this often, you know, the Lord's opened some doors. I get to travel and do meetings for preachers and other churches and that type of thing. And, and I, let me tell you what I think is the number one problem. Now, we could talk about the problems in broader Christianity, right? Are there problems in broader Christianity? Of course. But in good Bible preaching churches, here's the problem. We have become behavior-based rather than scripture-based. Today in the, young, in the, in the uh, Sunday school class, Pastor Nathan's Sunday school class for the young people, he addressed um, the, the, the way that young people, especially young ladies, dress in the, in the summertime. And that's a behavior issue, right? And it needed to be addressed, right? I mean, I think that's an important thing for us to do in our culture, to deal with those issues. And, and parents, I pray that you'll support what Pastor Nathan's trying to do in your young people's lives. He's trying to protect them. He's trying to help them. That being said, one of the problems that we have in our kinds of churches is that's the main thing. Our behavior becomes the point of every message. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? Week in and week out, it's either a gospel message, when most people in this room are born again, or about the way that we live or the way that we behave. That's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is about knowing Him and the power of His resurrection, right? That's what the Christian life is about. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about what you believe. You know that you're supposed to believe some things? And do you know that it matters what you believe? It really does. And here's where the behavior comes in. If you believe right, you'll act right. But there's lots of people that act a certain way, but they don't believe right. So uh, I was at a, a pastor's meeting, and this preacher, an evangelist, he had a book table, and on his book table were books about this Amish lady missionary. Amish. Did you hear about the uh, Amish guy that divorced his wife? All the electricity was gone from the relationship. The Amish lady that divorced her husband, he drove her buggy. That's quality humor. Come on, that's quality humor. But look, here's the deal. Now, Laura and I and the kids, we went over to, to Amish country. My kids call it Amish world. But we, we, we went over there, and we were getting a ride in a buggy. And this guy, uh, what was it? Jacob, you'll remember. What's his name? Eli. Eli. Never forgets anything. Okay, Eli. And he was in his 70s, just a wonderful, wonderful, kind and gracious man. And I, I asked him, I said, um, I'm a pastor, Pastor Grace Baptist Church in Sydney, Ohio. And uh, I, I just wondered, in, in, your, in your faith, what does a person have to do to go to heaven? How, how do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And he said, well, we believe the Bible and we try to live a holy life. Now, how many of you understand that's another gospel? That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what is preached in the Amish churches. It's about living a holy life, and that holiness will help you go to heaven. So here's a, an independent Bible-believing Baptist preacher with a book about an Amish lady missionary. Do you know why he liked her? Because she dressed right. Well, what are you going to put Muslim books out next? Muslim ladies are modest, aren't they? It's just so amazing when the behavior becomes the main point. Doctrine always falls by the wayside. Amen? 
But I'll tell you another problem that happens as I travel, I preach all over the place. Here's what happens. You go into a place where doctrine is preached. Many times the behavior is so far wrong that you're saying, are these people even saved? Now, how many of you think that if you believe something, it ought to affect the way that you live? Amen? So somehow there's got to be a connection between what we believe and what we do. But it doesn't matter what we do if we're not believing right. And the Apostle Paul is not dealing with their behavior here. He's dealing with what they believe. Really important. Really important for us to see this. So now, let's dive in. Let's look at this. We must be right on the gospel. In order to understand what the gospel is, verse 4, Galatians 1, look at verse 4. Verse 3, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so here's what we understand. Salvation is only of God, and it is completely the work of God. Are you with me? And here's the, here's the deal. We cannot cooperate with God in our own salvation. We cannot cooperate with God in our own salvation. It's not God needs my help to save me. That's it. And that's how you identify a false religion. Man does not participate in his own salvation. It is entirely of God. We must be right on the gospel. You can always tell a false religion because it allows a man to have a part in his own salvation. So I'm going to list some things here. When you speak in general terms like that, everybody's going, yeah, absolutely. What about the details? All right. Church of Christ, believe and be baptized. If someone tells you that you must be baptized in order to be born again, that is another gospel. Amen? Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 17. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me to baptize. What's, what's the Bible say? That's a pretty important word, isn't it? For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So if baptism is a part of the gospel, if I preach that baptism is necessary for salvation, according to 1 Corinthians 1.17, I make the cross of none effect. Now, what does that mean? Well, if the cross is of none effect, the cross is the only thing that can save us. The death, burial, and resurrection. His shed blood on the cross paid for our penalty. The only hope for salvation that I have is the blood of Jesus Christ. If I add baptism to that, then the cross is of none effect. We've got to be right on the gospel. We, we must be right on the gospel. All right? So that's another gospel. What's, a, what's another, another gospel? The Church of Christ, believe and be baptized. How about Seventh-day Adventists? Does anyone here know any Seventh-day Adventists? That's wild. I don't think I've ever met one. A lot, a lot of folks here know them. And here's what the Seventh-day Adventists would say. Believe and keep the Sabbath. If you don't keep the Sabbath and those laws, you cannot be saved. So what, would, what does the Apostle Paul call that? Another gospel. Another gospel. What about the Apostolic Church or the United Pentecostal Church? They teach that you must believe and speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, then you're not born again. So what would the Apostle Paul call that? Another gospel. Another gospel. Um, Roman Catholicism. They teach that you believe and observe the sacraments. Believe and observe the sacraments. It comes down to, in, in Catholicism, there is a, 
it, it comes down to this understanding of, of, of one word. It's called justification. The Bible says that Christ was raised for our justification. And justification is it's a legal term. And that is the term that describes what happens when God the judge declares us righteous. All right? So now, since I have been born again, since Jesus Christ saved me, not because of any righteousness of my own, not because of any good works of my own, but because I have received the gift of, gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ offered, because I have received that, when I received that, the moment that I received that, God's judgment was pronounced on me. Not guilty. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. I don't ever have to worry about the condemnation of God. Isn't that wonderful? I can stand before God righteous, not because I'm righteous, but because I've been washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. Very important. That's justification. It's God's legal declaration of righteousness. And it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All right? That's what the Bible teaches. Roman Catholic justification is what they use the term infused justification. What does that mean? It means that you believe in Jesus Christ and then you cooperate with God throughout the rest of your life. And as you observe and receive those sacraments, then you are infused with grace to the point where when you die, you're almost ready to go to heaven. And then, if you're not quite ready, then you'll go to purgatory because no one can get into heaven who's not completely clean. And there's no way in this life to be completely clean. So that's why purgatory is important. That's the message of Roman Catholicism. Um, and now, let me say this. There are many people who attend Roman Catholic churches who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, trusted Christ alone for their eternal life. Amen? Nick, how long did you stay in the Catholic Church after you got saved? Seven years? About that? Seven years? Leading worship in the Catholic Church and all those things. He was saved. But what happened was as he grew in the Lord and came to understand the Word of God, he saw that they were teaching things that did not align with the Word of God. So if I say that salvation comes from believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it requires my cooperation with Him, and every time I, I take communion, every time I, I, I say confession or have the ashes put on my head, whenever I do those things, I am receiving more grace so that when I die, I might have the opportunity to go to heaven. What does the Bible call that? What would the Apostle Paul call that? Another gospel. Another gospel. You see, you can't say what is if you don't deal with what isn't. We must be right on the gospel. Let's don't miss this. The apostolics, the Catholics, the, the holiness, oneness Pentecostal that we've been looking at, the Seventh-day Adventists, these people are not our enemies. Amen? The Apostle Paul said this, Am I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The Apostle Paul could lift his shirt and show them the scars on his body. He loved them so much, he was willing to die for them to hear the gospel. See, we need to love our families enough to tell them the gospel. Amen? But that's not what this text is about. You know what this text is about? How would this be doctrinally applied to you and me? We must believe that these other Gospels are not acceptable. It's not okay. It is not okay. Amen? It's not okay. Now, that's an unpopular message in our culture. Let the walls come down. These doctrines that divide us, let the, let's all come together in one body and do what? If we can't talk about doctrine, what are we going to do? Talk about our feelings? I wouldn't have much to say. <laughs> it, it, it's so simple when we as believers understand how important the gospel is. 
We do not attack. Amen? We simply speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. Now, so i got to know what the Bible says. Listen to what Lawrence Vance wrote. The full gospel of the charismatics, the social gospel of the liberals, the health and wealth gospel of the televangelists are all to be classified as another gospel. Now, the word is gospel, not gospels. It is singular. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord our Lord is one Lord. John 14.6, Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12, Jesus is the one Savior. 1 Timothy 2.5, Jesus is the one mediator. We must be scripturally discerning. Now, here's something we got to get. All cults use scripture. Right? All cults use scripture. Have you ever had somebody throw a verse at you and you go, uh-oh, <laughs> what do I do with that? Well, that's why the Bible needs to be rightly divided. You have to understand the context. So let's, let's look at this context. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So how were they perverting the gospel of Christ? They were not saying, they were not denying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They affirmed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They just said, you've got to be circumcised also. That, that's what was going on. You've got to keep the feasts. You've got to keep the Jewish feasts in order to be saved. You must separate from Gentiles in order to be saved. That's, that's what the book of Galatians is about. So what he is saying removed them from the gospel of Christ was adding something to it. So that's how we know when, that's how we identify something that's another gospel. So what do we do with Acts 2.38? Well, let's look at it. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, there are, a lot, there are many churches in America, many churches here in Sydney, Ohio, that would say that demonstrates that you must be baptized in order to be able to be saved. It does. I agree. It's exactly what that verse says. If that was the only verse in the Bible. Is that the only verse in the Bible? No. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Y'all doing okay this morning? Everybody good? Is it too hot in here? <laughs> Is it too hot in here? Raise your hand. Too hot in here? Just a few. Just all of us with high blood pressure. All right. Mark chapter 16. Yeah, Jimmy said he was going to get mobbed. Jimmy Smith fixed our air conditioning for us this week. He said he was going to get mobbed. Everybody would be mad at him because it was too cold. Mark 16. Look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let's stop right there. If that's where the verse ended, and if that was the only verse in the Bible, then you might think that baptism is a part of salvation. Right? But Jesus didn't stop there. Look at what it says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Does it say that he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned? Is that what it says? No, Jesus Christ gives the commentary on the passage. When you put Acts 2.38 with Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, when you put that together, then you, have a, you start to get an understanding. You put that with 1 Corinthians 1.17, and you start to get some more understanding. And so here is our key. Look at 1 Timothy. See, we must be scripturally discerning. When people throw the Bible at us, we need to know what it is teaching. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, teaching him how to understand the Bible. He says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. 
Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Let's look at the example of that, okay? So I hope that you have that verse marked. Consider, the Apostle Paul says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get John chapter 3. Put your finger there, John chapter 3. We must be right on the gospel. Got to get John chapter 3. And then I want you to get 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right? So, first of all, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Has anyone ever heard this verse before? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you see that verse held up at football games, and I'm thankful that that's in the Bible. Amen? We've got a problem, though. Where's the gospel in that verse? Keep your place there. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So what do we do with the gospel? We receive it and we stand in it. All right, look at verse 2. By which ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. All right, you receive the gospel, you stand in the gospel, but it can be believed in vain. What does that mean? That means there are lots of people that pray a prayer, but don't genuinely trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Is that right? So you can believe in vain. The gospel is very simple, but it can be believed in vain. Then he's going to describe what it is. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Why did Jesus Christ die? What does the verse say? Why did He die? For our sins. All right? And then how do we know about it? According to the Scriptures. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then it goes on to say that he was seen. So what is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. So we have the authority of the Word of God. First Peter says that we're born again by the Word of God. The Word of God is our, the authority for our salvation, right? But the way is Jesus Christ. We must believe the gospel. What is the gospel? That he died. He didn't just die. He died for our sins. There was a reason that he had to die. For our sins, that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. Let's go back to John chapter 3, verse 16. We naturally do, because we're Bible believers, we naturally apply the instruction of the Apostle Paul. So, here's what we read in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to die for our sins. That's what we're understanding as we read that. Is that right? So let's look at it again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to die for our sins and rise from the dead, be buried and rise from the dead, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not in that verse. But we understand that's what's being spoken of. Is that right? Why? Because we read the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he explains that to us. So we understand Acts 2.38, believe and be baptized for the remission of sins. We understand that through the prism of the gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and baptism being a step of obedience to demonstrate to the world that you have believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Apostle Paul rarely baptized. Why? Why? Because he was an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor of a church. In the book of Titus, he sent Timothy. In the book of Titus, he's sending Titus to ordain elders, that's pastors, in every city as I had appointed. He'd go and preach the gospel, establish a church. People would be interacting with the word of God, growing up in the faith, and God would raise up a man in that place. He had to be proven. 
That's what the Bible says. He couldn't be a novice. He had to understand the Word of God. He had to rule his own home well. He had to have his wife in subjection. He had to have his children in subjection. His home had to be lined upright. He had to be blameless. He couldn't be a striker. He couldn't be fighting people all the time. He had these qualifications. And that guy would rise to the top. That church would ordain him as pastor. And then that guy would baptize people into the membership of the church. Baptism is not a part of the gospel. We understand Acts 2.38 because of the writings of the Apostle Paul. Look at Acts chapter 17. Let's look at the writing of the Apostle Paul to help us. Acts chapter 17. It really does matter what you believe. Acts chapter 17 and look at verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. This is the discernment necessary to understand the word of God. Every cult will use fault, will use scripture out of context. Luke, in writing the the book of Acts, is describing what happened when the Apostle Paul came to Thessalonica, when he came to Berea, when he came to these places and preached. Luke was with him. He writes down what had happened. And he said that these people in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they heard the word, they were ready to hear it, and then they searched the Bible to see whether or not it was so. And if you will do that, God will help you to understand. And here's the thing. We have come to a point in our lives, all of our lives, we've had teachers say, have you had your devotions? You need to have devotions. What is that? What does that even mean? You'll get a little, a one verse, and you'll get some cute story, and that's your devotion. That's like eating Twinkies. It's nice, but it's not going to feed you very much, is it? So what we must understand, our problem is we read the Bible devotionally when God wants us to study it for doctrine. When you study it for doctrine, that's when it starts to impact your behavior. Remember what, remember what we're trying to keep away from. Let me tell you what this passage means to me. Really? That's the best we've got? What this means? Well, what if you'd never been born? Does the passage then have no meaning? No, we need to find out what does this passage mean to God. The issue is not thus saith Jim. The issue is what saith the Lord. God has spoken. God cares about the gospel. It is singular. There's only one New Testament gospel. It's the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to the Scriptures. You add something to it, it's not the gospel. You take something from it, it's not the gospel. Is that right? Now, what are we supposed to do with this? We must be right on the gospel, but we must also be careful in our language. Let's go back to Galatians. Something really interesting in this passage. When you study a passage word by word, it's amazing what you see. Look at verse 2. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Then look at what it says in verse... So he's writing to all these churches in Galatia. He's writing to the believers in those churches. And look at what it says in verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you. Now look at what it says. What's that next word? Brethren. What is he doing? We have to be really careful of our language here. These are people that had received the gospel. 
They, they had received it. They, they had believed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had trusted in Jesus Christ as the one and only way to heaven. They had believed the gospel. And so they were saved. Is that right? But now as churches, they have departed from the gospel. They've departed. But look at the language the Apostle Paul uses in writing to them. Look at what it says. But I certify you, brethren. They hadn't lost their salvation. That's awesome. You don't have to be exactly right doctrinally from the time you get saved until the time you die to go to heaven. Praise God! Is there anybody here that you're not perfect in your theology? Yeah, aren't we all? We get to go to heaven. So here's the thing. James Knox, I was listening to to James Knox on this text. And he said, we have to be careful because what we do sometimes is we give people the right hand of fellowship when they're acting right and the boot of discipline when they're not acting right. It's really interesting. The Apostle Paul, in using very harsh language to these people, saying that a teacher that comes in and says this, let him be accursed. Brethren. Brethren. So we have to make sure. And that's why uh, in our Sunday school class a few weeks ago, we were teaching on, on tongues, speaking in tongues. And I wanted it very clear. I I wanted people to know that there are a lot of people who who believe in speaking in tongues, who are born again. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going to be in heaven with us. Amen. They might not be sure that they're going to be there, but they will be. And it's really important that we understand that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that right? We have to be careful of the language that we use. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. I believe that Roman Catholic theology is wrong. But if I stand up and rail against the Pope and call him a bunch of names, is that person going to receive the gospel from me? No. No. Now, in private teaching, we're going to see what the Bible says about the office of the Pope. Is that, is that proper? Should we do that? Yes. But do you know what lost people need? They don't need to know who the Pope is. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. And so we've got to make sure that we are simply identifying the false gospel and proclaiming the true gospel. We've got to be careful in our language. So we must be right in the gospel and we must be careful in our language. Then, number three, we must desire to please God. Back to Galatians. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Man, that is a strong passage. That is a strong passage. And we've got to understand, we could go into all these different areas about pleasing God right now. But we need to stick with this context. The Apostle Paul said that if I did not identify this false gospel, I would not be pleasing God. That's what he says. So we as believers, how are we going to please God? Well, first of all, we must be right on the gospel. We've got to know what it is, and we must be discerning enough to know that if I have a loved one who is trusting in Jesus Christ and baptism, man, that person's lost. I need to do everything in my power to live a gospel witness, to speak the truth in love, Not to be offensive to that person. To be a consistent, godly witness to that person. But I've got to know they're not saved. They're not saved. If someone believes that they have to be a a member of a specific church in order to go to heaven, that's another gospel. I must understand that person is lost. And I've got to be willing to pay the price. To give them the gospel. Whether it's you families who at, at, at Christmas time or at family get-togethers, you're, you're the, the pariah because you have trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Enduring that and still speaking the truth in love is the godly and right thing to do. Because my job is not to please men. 
My job is to please God. Tomorrow morning, I'll be praying at the uh, citywide um, Memorial Day service. And in my prayer, I'm going to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, Jimmy Smith hooked me up with the leader there. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be giving the gospel tomorrow morning. And I'll do it at the courthouse, and then we'll walk down to Graceland Cemetery, and I'll give the gospel at Graceland Cemetery again, God willing. If he lets me live. That's what I'm going to do. Um, now, how many of you think there might be someone there that doesn't like that? Right? Now, if I stand up and say, Oh, you that ain't Baptist, you're going to hell! That's really dumb. I don't believe that. If I stand up and start attacking other religions, in that, in that, that's not the place for that. What is necessary at that moment? They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be some people there that don't like that. Do I please men? Or do I please God? Um, have you ever had something just kind of come over you and you can't help it? I was, in, I was in Boston. Laura and I were in Boston during Ted Kennedy's funeral. And there were signs up everywhere. We love you, Ted, and all this stuff. And I couldn't take it. I went into a store and I started skipping. The wicked drunk is dead. The wicked drunk is dead. Sometimes. <laughs> Laura enjoyed that. She was trying to find someone else. Now, look, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's perfectly fine and acceptable to attack anything that's righteous and holy in our culture. Isn't that right? Perfectly fine. But you speak against these wicked... Here's a guy that in order to protect his, his political campaign, he allowed a girl to drown in his car. And that's the best way you can say it. He left his wife for a younger woman. Unfaithful to his wife all along. Over and over and over again. Promoted the killing of millions of children. Right? Right? And we're supposed to be quiet. That's not a good man. That is not a good man. Is that right? But the answer to this world's problems are not getting, is not getting rid of Ted Kennedy. Didn't hurt. What's the answer? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now listen, how many of you think that this world would be much better, that the United States would be humming if John McCain was president? Uh, I think we can go. Uh, he would not have been any better than Barack Obama. Why? He didn't believe anything. Listen. All of a sudden people, Pastor, how did this get political? Where the, how did it get? What's going? We have to understand that we as believers are discerning. We're in the marketplace of ideas. We're out there. We've got to speak the truth. We've got to identify that John McCain's a liberal. He would not have helped us. Amen. Right? But we've also got to understand John McCain wasn't going to save this country anyway. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our primary message. We can't allow Grace Baptist Church to become a political tool. Amen? Here's what happens. You lead people to Jesus Christ. You get them grounded in the Word of God. They're going to understand right and wrong. And they'll find candidates to vote for who will represent those values. Amen. Amen? But my friend Mike Azinger, when he won the, the Republican primary for Congress here in Ohio, the Republicans were just as wicked as the Democrats. I mean, vile, vile people. Right? We need people to get saved. That's what we need then we need Christians to speak up, to be vocal about the gospel, about the world that we live in. Now, remember last week when I talked about Barack Obama and Israel and how bad things happen through the weather 
when we take a, when, when we take a stand against Israel. Remember when I said that? How'd this week go? It can be proven over and over. There are consequences to what our leaders do. If Barack Obama was saved, he wouldn't be turning against Israel. Amen? You see, our message is not a political message. It's a spiritual message. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Because if you have a lost Republican who doesn't stand for anything and a lost Democrat who doesn't stand for anything, what do you have? you got America. That's where we are. And the way that's happened is Christians stopped caring about the truth. We must preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must please God. We must live our lives in a way that pleases God, not men. But look at what the Bible says. I want you to see this. Look with me at Romans 15.2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. How about that? That just blew my whole... That little rant that I just did for the last five minutes, this just blew that out of the water. What is the context here? What is the context? Verse 1, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Look, it's very important when all the neighbors around me keep their grass mowed. What should I do? Keep my, now, you're going to drive by my house and my grass is. I tried yesterday. The mower has a flat tire. Everybody's close. I tried. I did. But look, I'm supposed to represent Christ in a way that allows me, it gives me the respect of the neighbors so that they'll hear the gospel. Amen? They're not going to care about your political views if you're a jerk. You're saying, the wicked drunk is dead? That's not... I'm sorry, it just came over me. (laughs) But look, they're not going to listen to us. You say, well, wait a minute. The Bible in one place says not to please men. In another place it says to please men. The difference is, in Galatians, I am speaking the hard truth, and that pleases God. The thing that would stop me from speaking the hard truth is I care more about what you think than what he thinks. That's the context. The context in Romans is, I've got to live a godly life and a pleasant life in front of those people for their edification, to build them up and to help them. The issue is always getting rid of self and living. And and Jesus Christ defined it this way. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. So that's how I please men so that I can build them up. And then look with me at 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. There's the Apostle Paul. Even as I please all men in all things. Well, I thought we're not supposed to please God. Well, here's the definition. Look at what it's, we're not supposed to please men. Look at what it says. Not seeking mine own profit but the prophet of many, that they might be saved. Amen? Look at verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Here's the thing. I am supposed to live a life in this world that all of us... Anybody here that's saved, you're born again. You're born again. We are supposed to live lives in this world for our neighbors, for other people, so that they can be saved. That's what it's about. 
the way that I do that, I please God first, then I please men. And if it's a choice between pleasing God and pleasing men, then I'm going to have to please God. So there's, there's a balance to this. There's speaking a broad message that actually challenges no one. That's unacceptable, isn't it? That doesn't please God. And then they're speaking... The, how about the Westboro Baptist Church? The, the Wichita, Kansas that holds up the signs at the funerals of our servicemen. How many of you think that's representing Christ well? See? Somewhere between Joel Osteen, God wants you to be happy. And if you're happy, then God's happy. And if God's happy, then we're all happy. Aren't you happy? Somewhere between that and God hates, right? Somewhere between that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers living out their faith in the world, being good citizens, paying your taxes, being on time to work, giving your boss eight hours work for eight hours pay, being respectful and kind to the people that you work with. Right? Speaking righteousness publicly and standing up for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know when we do that? When our goal is to please God rather than men. And then in that context, to do everything we can to be the kind of person that our neighbors would want to listen to. Amen? Being offensive for offense's sake, that's sin. Failing to offend for the gospel's sake, that's sin. You know, I don't ever remember the Apostle Paul being given the key to the city. What did he receive? Jail. Why? Because his primary goal was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, he was willing to give his life so people could hear the gospel. I think that all of us could find ourselves somewhere in between those. Don't you? So let's make sure that we please God rather than men. And yet, we live a life that pleases our neighbors so we can build them up. We live a life that pleases other men so that they can hear the gospel. I think the Bible is a pretty well-rounded book. What do you think? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please help us to...